Hi, welcome to The Kicker. I'm Kyle Pope, editor and publisher of the Columbia Journalism Review. This week, local elections in New York City. So New York held elections across a big chunk of the local political landscape from mayor to comptroller to district attorney to city council this week. And it was a, a test of a new ranked choice voting system, which means that we're not going to know the results for a while. And it was a it was a kind of a messy campaign. We had Andrew Yang running. We had some sexual harassment allegations against one of the mayoral candidates. We had a bunch of new faces and a bunch of politicians who have been around a while. As the dust settled this week, it looks like Eric Adams is emerging as the top contender for the mayor's race in New York. But it's all been kind of nebulous and sort of hard to pin down. And it, and the coverage of the New York City political races come amid decreasing local reporting resources in the city, despite it being the media capital of the country. I'm really happy to be joined by Errol Lewis, who knows more about this than probably anybody. He's the anchor of Inside City Hall on New York One, which is a nightly show on city politics. He has a, a weekly podcast called You Decide with Errol Lewis and is a professor of urban reporting at CUNY's Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism. Welcome, Errol. Good to be with you. So I, we, I want to talk mainly about the press coverage of this, especially the mayor's race in New York. And it seems to me, I mean, I've had a hard time getting my arms around, usually we talk about a narrative in these campaigns. And this one seemed to be sort of squishy and evolving. Was that your sense as well? Well, sure. Uh, there are look. There are a number of unique features to this particular cycle that made uh, a little made made it different from past elections that I've covered. One is that we had the pandemic, so you know there was kind of one big issue there, but that all, that issue also stopped. Uh, candidates and, frankly, journalists from getting out into the city and talking with people face to face, which is where you start to develop a lot of these narratives and storylines. Uh, the, 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 the second issue, you know, so all interviews plus all virtually all candidate interactions with the public were being done via Zoom. So that was one difference. The second, of course, is that we moved for the first time in my memory uh, the, uh, the primary to June from September. So normally what would be about a half year of campaigning and debates and uh, traveling around the city and sort of uh, letting the storyline gel and letting the, the shape of the campaign uh, develop and evolve, uh, it, it really, all, the, the process was really severely truncated. So it was, it was time compressed. It was uh, space uh, compressed or even separated, I guess, if you want to use that metaphor. Uh, and so it was a little bit trickier to try and figure out what the mood of the voters was. And then I guess to make it even that much more difficult to figure out what's going on, because we're using ranked choice voting for the first time, the polling, the public polling was really absent. It wouldn't have told you nearly as much, but there weren't very many reliable public polls uh, to, to give you just the horse race numbers. So we started out with some ludicrously high uh, undecided uh, number. I think it was in the 40% range where people knew who the candidates were, maybe, uh, but almost nobody had made up their minds. And uh, the, the time crept up upon us and people had to make decisions with far less than the kind of information 
and experience that we've had in past races. So now that we, I mean, we don't know what the outcome is entirely, but we have a sense of at least sort of like where things are leaning and, and, you know, what the scenarios probably are. What does this election tell us about what people are looking for? I noted your piece in the Times about the debate about policing, which was central to the um, to the campaigning. Um, what 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 is the lesson that you draw from these results that we have at least so far about what what voters care about? Oh, that's that's the only part of all of this that I think I feel like we have a clear, uh, unambiguous signal on. Uh, without exception, every poll, including the one that my organization uh, sponsored and published, uh, the polls all showed that crime and public safety were top of mind for voters. Mm-hmm. It was more important in their minds than COVID, more important than the economy, more important than schools and housing, which are the perennial uh, concerns of New Yorkers. Uh, far and away, crime and disorder in the streets is what people said that they were concerned about. And that was kind of a picture perfect for Eric Adams uh, because he's got 22 years in the police department and no, none of his rivals had anything close to that kind of experience, you know, resume level experience of, of dealing with, with crime and disorder. And so uh, I, I think that really kind of tells the story of, of how we got to where we are today. Uh, by the way, congratulations on your series of interviews that you did with all these people, which I which I personally found to be the most instructive. Um, oh, thank of, you. Of all of the coverage, I, I and by the way, I loved your I loved that slightly crazy interview with Paperboy Prince. Um, <laughs> I've never seen fog machine invoked in in a political interview before. I guess that's what yeah. That I've was. never I've never seen that much smoke <laughs> with, with somebody I was interviewing, and I. I I kicked myself afterwards. I was like, I should have asked him what kind of smoke that was and whether he had inhaled any of it. I thought that would have, that would have been a really interesting question. I thought it was fog, but maybe it was actual real smoke, but whatever. I mean, we've, we've, we've you know, read and written a lot about the sort of decline of local news coverage, even in a city like New York. And I'm just curious from your perspective, whether you think that that held true in this election. I mean, did do you think that this race would have been covered more robustly or differently had there been a different kind of ecosystem, local ecosystem? Not, not really. I think the, the one piece of the coverage that uh, was lacking compared with uh, both the ideal and what we, even what we've seen in, in past cycles is that there's been scant coverage uh, of the city council races. Yeah, and for me, what's miss what what that leads to is you're missing a piece of the puzzle. I thought we had uh, quite a lot of resources that were thrown at the mayor's race, uh, which is which is appropriate given how powerful the mayor of New York is. But you can't really get a sense of what's going on with you know shifting ethnicities, shifting demographics, um, uh, politically energized. Uh, constituencies that want a particular thing you, you, to, to really get a picture that is that that flows up and down. You know, these neighborhood level concerns do make their way into the race for mayor. Uh, you you gotta gotta try and keep an eye on what in this case were something like thirty five or thirty six competitive city council races. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a tall order, and that's where the lack of local uh, journalism resources made itself felt. There were a couple of interesting districts, but we sat down and in New York one, we have, we, we devote a considerable amount of time and personnel 
to, uh, to, to, to political coverage. And we, we, you know, we, we, we had a couple of meetings and we said, look, we just, we just don't have enough reporters. You know, we've got like six full-time reporters who just do politics in New York. And we, we couldn't, we couldn't figure out how to reasonably get out there and cover the race for mayor and the race for controller and the five borough presidencies and the Manhattan district attorney, uh, you know, plus 35 council races, each of which in some cases had, you know, five, six, seven, ten uh, contenders, many of whom were all new to politics. So you had to really, you know, there's not like you could even, you know, pull your old file about assemblyman so-and-so. Uh, yeah. So it was it was just a tall order. And I think it overwhelmed an already fragile uh, local news ecosystem. Mm. Let me ask you about Eric Adams. Um he in about his um relations relations with the uh, press corps. I don't know if you saw a uh, Roth Barkin tweeting that he was I guess banned from um an event because he he said that the Adams people didn't like a piece he had done and there's been some grumbling in the press local press corps about how Adams treats the press. What has been your experience with him and what do you sort of predict if he were to become mayor in terms of the relationship between the press corps and him? My experience with, with Eric Adams has been um, pretty much like any other official. You know, I'm, I, I can reach him when I need to. I think he flaked on us a couple of times, uh, you know, some staff mishaps where he, you know, said he was going to come on and didn't. But that's that's that happens all the time. Uh, the, the I saw the tweets from uh, for, from uh, Friedlander and Barkin, two reporters who, you know, were given a cold shoulder. Uh, you know, I don't know. In this age of so, I'm old school. You know, like I would have just snuck in. <laughs> you know, I think I would have snuck in, or yeah. I would have just caught everybody coming in, and you work the story with whatever constraints and resources you have. Yeah. You know, or you, I, and I think Barkin did do this. You, or you just go somewhere else. Go, go, yeah, I somebody think somebody else is um, Catherine Garcia. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, no, you know, nobody, nobody's old entry. You know, from a to, to a hostile or access to a hostile politician. I mean, you know, you just make do. But but uh, I I think in his uh, in his speech after uh, the the first round totals were were published, uh, Eric Adams in an interesting way uh, sort of he made a distinction between um, what he termed older and sort of more responsible reporters and younger journalists who got caught up in some social media distractions. The social media distractions were real and. Are probably worth talking about in a separate conversation, but look, I, I, he he also has been willing to engage with the press. Sometimes it gets a little bit combative, but he really is a New Yorker in the sense that he's not going to necessarily let you get the last word, and he's not going to be shy about telling you if he thinks you got the coverage wrong. It reminds me a little bit of the way Ed Koch used to deal with us. Uh-huh. Uh, you know that he'll 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 give as as good as he gets, and you know maybe you'll agree, maybe you won't, and uh, the sun will go down and. When, when the sun comes up the next day, we'll we'll go at it one more time. Uh, he he doesn't he doesn't run from the press, and I'll, I'll give him credit for that. Yeah. And uh, when he invited everybody into his apartment to to poke around, I don't think I've ever been inside the personal residence of any candidate for yeah. mayor uh, yeah. at any time for any reason. So that suggests some some real possibilities there. Uh, yeah. And and like like any other good politician. He's very he can he can be very thin skinned and very resentful if he thinks the coverage isn't right, and um, that's that's what comes with the territory, you know. Not not every you know a lot of us will let that stuff go, but that's why we're not going to be the mayor of New York. <laughs> he doesn't let stuff go, 
Uh, and he'll argue and he'll fight. And I think we're going to have a good vigorous debate and back and forth between if he should win between Mayor Adams and, and the New York City Press Corps. Before I let you go, you think it'll be uh, three weeks before we know the result? Uh, yeah, there are at least 15 days that have to elapse, right? I mean, there's a, there's a week that has to go by before they even open the absentee ballots. Uh, and then there's a five-day cure period where if there are minor mistakes on an absentee ballot, the Board of Elections has to contact people and give them a chance to fill in a missing signature or you know fix any other small problems. Uh, and then they're going to open those absentee ballots, and then they're going to run the ranked choice voting simulation. So yeah, it's good. it's going to be a while. I, I I am not making any plans to leave town before the middle of July, no. uh, and I would advise my fellow political reporters to do the same. Errol, it's great to talk to you. Thanks a lot. So you can follow CJR's ongoing coverage of the mayor's race at CJR.org. Read our daily email newsletter, The Media Today, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening. See you next week.